0: Well, that's December 24th again, and we've gathered again, and we've sung the songs again, and we are going to hear the story again. It seems that if something is important to us, we will repeat it again and again and again. I think there's comfort in the familiar But there's also that feeling that repetition, repetition, repetition means that something is significant. There is meaning, and we shouldn't miss that. If you do much reading, you'll notice that authors and movie makers, directors and writers, uh, they will do that. They will repeat themes and images in an attempt to hold our attention and call our attention to important things. Keep us in focus, keep us focused on important details. Details that might even seem minor to us. We might miss them, uh, but the author calls our attention back to them again and again. And Luke is no different. I mean Luke who wrote the gospel. Luke is an accomplished author. Uh, I hope you realize his book's a bestseller. Uh, it's been around for about 2,000 years, and we're still reading Luke's book here. And there's this strange repetition in Luke's Christmas story, and maybe we've missed it, maybe we just haven't noticed it, but we're going to take a little closer look. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 this evening, verses 1-20, through 20. very, very familiar story to all of us. Luke 2, beginning in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was, this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in the manger because there was no place for them in the inn. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, that which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these, all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen and had been told. Did you hear it? There's an odd little repetition there. It's there in verse 7. In verse 7, we're told that after she gave birth to her firstborn son, she wrapped him in swaddling cloths. And then just a few verses later, verse 12, the angel tells the shepherds, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. And even the shepherds hint at it later in verse 17 when we're simply told that they made known this saying that had been told them concerning this child. He was wrapped in swaddling cloths. I want to remind you that paper, papyrus, back in those days was a premium. I mean, it was expensive. It was hard to come by. You would not repeat something that was not significant. You wouldn't waste words. You would want the story to remain focused. So why does Luke feel it necessary to mention swaddling cloths two times and imply their presence again a third? Why draw attention to what was actually a very common and very ordinary way of caring for a child? I think it's this little detail. This little detail that is so common to that world. I think in this detail, Luke wants us to see who Jesus is. And maybe he's calling our attention... So he's calling us to notice that even though Jesus is divine, he is God in the flesh, he wants, he wants us to know that Jesus was cared for by his parents. Now we don't we don't swaddle babies like they did back in those days. We swaddle babies. It's just not the same way. And I want to thank my wife for letting me ruin a dish towel today. <laughs> Maybe she could sew these back together and it'll probably be fine. You know, back then, uh, the, way, the way they swaddled babies back then was at birth, the baby was washed, the baby was cleaned, everything was taken care of, and then strips of linen would be wrapped around the baby. They would wrap the baby's arms and legs with strips of lemon, linen to keep the arms and legs still. The, the strips provided some warmth, some, uh, some comfort for the baby they made the baby feel secure and as an infant Jesus god in the flesh needed that he needed to be felt made to feel secure god needed to be swaddled god needed to be to feel secure knowing that he was loved there's a contrast in your bibles by the way it's an Very stark contrast in Ezekiel chapter 16. In Ezekiel chapter 16, God is voicing his rejection of Israel. Israel has failed. They have sinned. They have broken covenant with God. And God wants to remind Israel of where they came from, what their origin story is. And so he tells the story of how he found Israel. He found this nation when it was just an infant. And in Ezekiel chapter 16, verses four and five, God says, As for your birth, on the day that you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed uh, with water to cleanse you, nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in swaddling cloths. No, I pitied you to do any of those things uh, to you out of compassion for you, but you were cast out into an open field for you were abhorred on that day that you were born. It is a horrible picture. The horrible image of an abandoned baby left out in the elements to die, but God steps in. And in verse six, God says, When I passed by and saw you wallowing in your blood, I said to you in your blood, I said, Live. I said to your blood, live. See, this is what compassion looks like. This is how you care. For the helpless. This is how you make them feel secure. You let them know that they are secured and loved. You wrap yourself around them. You swaddle them. The very first picture I have of me holding our granddaughter Ruby. Ruby is just a few days old and she is wrapped in a blanket. I watched Megan before she handed her to me. She laid her down on the couch and she wrapped that blanket around her tight. She looked like a little baby burrito. Just wanted to eat her up. (laughs) And she handed her to me, her arms and legs all tucked in, just carefully made to feel comfortable. She's sleeping there in Grandpa's arms. And as much as Grandpa wanted to hold his sleeping granddaughter, he really wanted to meet his granddaughter even more. And so I reached up and I loosened up that blanket that had swaddled her and made her feel so comfortable. I reached in and I pulled out her foot. And I took off the sock or whatever else was going on. I got to those toes and grandpa started tickling her a little bit because I wanted to meet her. I wanted to see what this baby was like. But, you know, watching Megan wrap her up, I saw I saw my daughter loving her daughter. This is the detail that Luke brings out again and again that Jesus As a child, Jesus was loved. And I think that's something Luke wants to see, wants us to see here. That's why we have this repetition. There might be more, though, because it's not just that Jesus was cared for by his parents, but in his need for care, Jesus shares our needs. Again, it's just an odd detail to have to repeat because every baby that was loved, every baby that was cared for, was swaddled. But I suspect that Luke doesn't want us to miss that this baby, even though he is divine, he's human. He's one of us. He shares our needs. You know, Paul will later write in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, a passage we're going to look at tomorrow morning. Paul will write of Jesus, he was born in the likeness of men, born in the likeness of us. He shares our nature. Jesus is one of us. So he knows our needs for comfort also. He knows our needs. He feels our pain. And I think this detail here might help us realize that Jesus is not distant from us. He's not unfeeling. And although we might be tempted to think of God or a king as someone who lives a different kind of life and doesn't understand us and doesn't have the same needs as us, uh, that's not something that Luke is telling us about Jesus. Jesus knows your need. He understands your pain. You know, among the books that are not part of your Bible, among those other holy books that were written a long time ago, there's a book called The Wisdom of Solomon. And in that book, in the Wisdom of Solomon chapter 7, verses 6 through 8, Solomon, or whoever writes this to voice it as Solomon, Solomon says, I was nursed with care, I was nursed with care in swaddling cloths. For no king has a different beginning of existence. There is for all one entrance into life and one way out. There is for all one entrance into life. Solomon says, I was swaddled just like everyone else. Jesus shares that entrance. He's been through what we've been through. And we can't forget that. And so... Luke feels the need to repeat it again and again. The Bible in fact reminds us again and again, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Whatever your weakness, Jesus understands, he feels that with you. In the very next verse, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, let us then with confidence Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. You can have confidence that He hears you. Has grace for your need. I think Luke repeats this detail so we won't miss out on who Jesus is. There might be another reason though. There might be another reason He repeats this detail. I think Luke reminds us of swaddling cloths again because he's always he is always pointing us to the cross and he's showing us Jesus's gift in giving his life for us Luke's gospel is a is interesting in that in its contrasts Luke likes to compare things and contrast things sometimes we obscure those contrasts with some of our traditions that we have and some of the ways that we read our Bible. Verse 7 here in Luke chapter 2, we read that that Jesus was laid in a manger because there was no room for Him in an inn. And you and I get this idea that the Holiday Inn there in Bethlehem had a no vacancy sign, and they got turned away, and there was an innkeeper. and He says, no, you can't stay here. The problem is the word that we translate in there, it doesn't actually mean inn. It means guest room. More properly, it means upper room. And in a typical Jewish house there in Bethlehem, uh, there would be a lower room where the animals stayed and where the family would do their cooking and where some people would stay. And then there would be rooms up, up above where the family lived, and there would be an upper room, a guest room, for those who were visiting. But apparently, there was no room in the upper room, so Jesus instead stays down below, is born down below where the animals were kept. That word means guest room, upper room. It's a place you would welcome visitors. And Luke doesn't use that word again in his Gospel until we get to chapter 22. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 12, Jesus tells His disciples to go prepare a place for them to share Passover. One final Passover. One last supper together. And in verse 12, He says that they will find a man And he will show you a large upper room that is prepared, that is furnished. Prepare for Passover there. Not a room for his birth, but as he prepared the disciples for his death, as he prepared to serve them bread and wine, as he prepared to wash their feet, there was an upper room for him. There's a contrast. Contrast. No room in the upper room, in the beginning of his story, but by the end, there is room in the upper room for him and his disciples. And just as Jesus had been born and wrapped in swaddling cloth, showing that his parents cared for him, showing that he shared our lot in humanity, just as we were cared for as infants, he was cared for. After the cross, after his death, what do we find in Luke chapter 23? Verse 53, we find Jesus' friend Joseph. Isn't it interesting that it's another Joseph? Joseph his father, and there at the end, Joseph of Arimathea. And in verse 53, it says of that Joseph, He took him down. He took his body down off the cross. He wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in the tomb cut in stone. A tomb where no one had ever yet been laid. In His birth, He was wrapped in linens. In His death, He's wrapped... In linen cloths, shown the care that one shows a baby, and shown the care of one who has been loved even until death. And then Sunday morning comes. Easter Sunday comes. And what does Peter see? Luke chapter 21, verse, or excuse me, Luke chapter 24, verse 12. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. And you and I are here again this year singing these songs, telling this story again. And you and I are here marveling at what happened, marveling at God's gift in a very ordinary looking baby, a baby who was cared for like anyone else, uh, who was loved, who has loved you like no one, uh, like, like no one else who has given you the greatest gift that you've ever received. The baby in the manger is your Lord and Savior. And so this afternoon, we remember not just His birth, we remember His sacrifice on the cross. We celebrate not just because He was born, but because He died and He rose again. And we sing these songs again and again. We repeat the story. We take the cup. We take the bread again. And we remind ourselves of the constancy of His love, that He knows you, He loves you, and He's given everything for you. In just a moment, we'll, we'll sing another song. We'll, uh, and then we'll take communion together. I want to have a prayer. Uh, after communion, I've got another prayer I want to share. And then we will light our candles together. But let, would you pray with me before we take? Father, we thank You for the amazing image of your love and sending your Son. Father, we thank you for his birth. Humble and yet loved. And we thank you, Father, for the, uh, just the peace in that image. And Lord, we, we then look ahead and we, we see the man in the upper room who is loving his disciples and sharing one last supper with them. We think of the one being taken down from the cross, wrapped in linen cloths. We think of that first sign without even fully understanding what happened. Peter sees those linen cloths uh, and they are empty. Lord, in, in that, there is the whole story. There is the story of His birth. There is the story of His life, His death, and His resurrection. And we come together this afternoon to remember not just the beginning of the story, to remember our stories as well. We thank you for the peace we've known through your Son, for the hope of heaven that we share, and for the knowledge that we are loved. We thank you for the one who gave us this, this bread to remind ourselves of his body broken. The cup to remind us not just of blood shared, but of but shed, but of blood shared, uh, to remind us that, uh, that we belong to one family, to your family. And we thank you that we get to share this today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we we light our candles, I wanted to share a prayer. This year, even more than than some in the past, I I feel like we've been painfully aware of those who have lost loved ones uh, in our community, in our church, our our circle of friends. Um, Just thinking about some that we've lost here in the last few weeks. Losing... Uh, Dee Barnhart and Dee, of course, losing her granddaughter just shortly before that, Um, losing our friend Patty Canoy, losing our friend Dave Butts a few weeks ago, Um, Dave, losing your mother earlier this year as well. Um, I think also, like I say, uh, Patty, and then uh, word today or yesterday that uh, uh, Patsy Fosnott had passed away, and uh, Patsy's funeral is going to be this coming, uh, Graveside will be this coming Wednesday afternoon and so many others there's a tradition that i've always i'm afraid one of these years we're going to need to have what's called a blue christmas service where we just simply remember those that we've lost yeah because something happens something happens to those holidays and i don't have to tell you this you're very aware holidays just suddenly get hard because of our grief Because those memories that we've always had of of happiness and gathering with family, suddenly they're tainted with with the loss that we've had. Um, Grief just, grief tends to infest uh, and fester in in times of holidays. And I want to share this. This is from a a wonderful series called Every Moment Holy. Um, It is just a wonderful series of prayers and meditations and devotional thoughts and this was one that was written for a liturgy for the hardship of the holidays and special days. And it's a little long, but I wanted to share this with you. And I'm going to have you repeat something with me at the, at the end of this. But I think this is something we've all felt to one degree or another. There are days when I'm okay, O oh Lord. And other days I wake and I care, cannot bear to face what awaits For there are certain days that were once a source of warmth and celebration of fellowship and life. There were birthdays, holidays, milestones, and anniversaries. Those calendar squares, once colored by light of bright expectation, now hold an inverse ache of their former delight." Even as I am learning again to take forward movement of daily life in stride, sometimes these special days arrive and they jar me from my newfound rhythm. Past and present overlap. Heart and memory feel displaced in time. As a shipwrecked sailor nearing land, swept again to sea by receding tides, I'm suddenly pulled back to that first sadness. And sometimes I feel too wearied and weighed down and weak to navigate another day so marked by loss, O oh God, so inside out, so incomplete, so filled with the inescapable presence of an inescapable absence. Oh Christ, save me from the pain of holidays and special days. Save me from this pain or meet me in it and save me through it. Either spare me this harsh echo of heartache, O Lord, or shepherd me now through the very living of it, through the resurgent tears, the returning memories, and the reawakening weight of that day that once dawned so pregnant with joy, hold me close, O Christ, and show me Your face even in this place of lingering loss, even in this season that has become a receptacle of past sorrows. Amidst my weeping, let sweeter memories resurface. Buoyed by deeper joys, no sorrow can suppress. Let me draw upon this day's former delights so that old happiness and heartbreak are laced and intertwined with new hope and fellowship and beauty. Lead me, O Lord, through this layered confusion of celebration and lament of things present and things past. Let me make this day a new thing. Though holidays might be hard days, O God, by the movement of your mercies, may they also become holy days. Teach me again and again to entrust to you my many griefs, and often as these unavoidable days uncover and reveal them. For if I must endure their repetition, and I know that I must, then let the hurts tendered by the day's arrival become as the annual planting of seeds and sorrow that, Tended by your Spirit and watered by my tears would bloom into harvests of eternal hope. Indeed, let me learn year by year, O Lord, how this long pain might be transformed into the groanings of a faith actively yearning towards a glorious and certain resurrection. And today, let me learn again how your grace will will be always sufficient to my needs, your comfort sufficient to my sorrows, your presence sufficient to my loss. If you can repeat these words after me. Now lead me, carry me, and walk beside me through this day. O Christ, the shepherd of my sorrows, And in unexpected places, let us find joy. Amen.